Friday, just a word of encouragement. Sign up for it. It'll come electronically to your device. And that's it, I believe. Open your Bibles to the Gospel according to Luke 9, 49 to 56. The title of the message is Self-Serving or Savior-Serving. You'll know what we've been dealing with, and we've slowed down in chapter 9. There was a lot going on. Jesus sends out the 12, the feeding of the 5,000, Peter's Christological confession, his first passion prediction, the transfiguration, his second passion prediction, uh, casting out the demon from the boy. There's a lot going on. And then we have this, this mess with the disciples who just are messing things up. They're arguing about who's the greatest, which is just a horrible thing, especially in light of the passion prediction. And after coming down off the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John are part of the argument. All 12 are arguing. And now today, wait till you see today's message. But again, remember, the message is for us. So we have to ask ourselves, as we enter into the story, remember how you want to find out where your story intersects his. This is one word from one God to one world. Old New Testament altogether. One word, single strand of truth runs through it all. God's unfolding plan of redemption, right, with Jesus. So we have to ask the question, who am I in the story? And I've said it many times, you're never Jesus. So with that being the case, then you figure out who are you. So we'll see where we are. We'll see where we fit in this plan. So let's take a look. 9, 49 to 56. Hear now the word of God. Master, said John, we saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he is not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for whoever is not against you is for you. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, and they went to another village. May God add his rich blessing to his inspired and errant, infallible word. Let us pray. Father, it's no accident we're here this morning, everyone by divine appointment, which means you have something to speak into each heart. Speak now through this broken vessel, whether student, senior adult, and all those in between. Make it a word of salvation for the unsaved. Make it a word of comfort for those in storm winds and a word of rest for those who are tired, weary, and heavy laden. Father... Give us ears to hear and minds to understand and hearts that beat for nothing smaller than the Lord Jesus Christ. Come, now fount of every blessing. Unclutter our minds and unburden our hearts that we might see Jesus and him only. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said. This is really what we would call a memorable event as Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem. And just know this is his last journey to Jerusalem. Time is running out. So the bigger portion of the whole gospel of Luke now is going to keep us on that focus as he has set his face to Jerusalem. So three very simple headings this morning coming out of the narrative. One, man-centered jealousy, which suggests there's another kind of jealousy. We'll talk about that as well. Number two, mistaken judgment. And finally, number three, Messiah Jesus. Number one, man-centered jealousy. Just know it's very nuanced when we look at it from God's perspective, and we'll do that in just a moment. Take a look at the Greek word, zealous, to be jealous, to be filled with zeal. That can be a really good thing. And it can be a bad thing. So we're going to look at it here. Intense positive feelings. We're going to unpack that first and then go back into our passage. This is under man-centered jealousy, okay? Intense positive feelings marked by a sense of dedication. 
2 Corinthians 11.2, perfect passage for this. I am jealous, Paul says, for you with a godly jealousy. So we know that there's a godly jealousy. There's a good jealousy. There's something that, that is appropriate. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, to present you as a virgin to him. So this is not the normal jealousy. Generally, when the scriptures speak of jealousy, it's always negative. Generally, it's in a, it's in a, a line of, of sins that go with it. And we have to be very, very, very careful. This is like anger. It's not hard for us to be angry and say it's, man, it's God-centered. And, and most of the time, it's not. And it's not hard to say, well, I'm jealous and, and I have this zeal for the Lord, but it's not godly jealousy. So we have to unpack that. So Paul is talking about this intense relationship, right? The bridegroom and the bride. And that's... that's that's a context where this can work in, in your own personal life, husbands and wives. If somebody from the outside is trying to separate what God has brought together, that should incite a God-centered jealousy that no man should, should separate that one flesh union. So that would be an appropriate venue for that, but we have to be very careful because even when it's godly, we have a tendency to take it too far. So you have to be very, very careful when it comes to, to these kinds of emotions. Now let's take a look at intense negative feelings. This is envy over another's success. 1 Corinthians 3.3, 3, Paul again writes, You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, you are you not worldly? So there's a very bad jealousy, and that's what we're going to look at in this passage. But know that there is a positive one. So let's keep working. Romans 13, 13, just to continue to show this intense negative aspect of the emotion. And remember, uh, Jesus is redeeming the emotions as well, right? All of it's being redeemed, so one day all of that will go away. But until that day, we're still, we're still fighting with that till we get to the other side. Let us behave decently, not in carousing and drunkenness. There's that list, and I shortened it a little bit. Not in sexual immorality and dissension or jealousy. Generally, it's in a list. And generally, it's laid out to show you that this is really a bad thing. Okay? So now we're going to go back to the passage. Probably one of the best examples you can think right away, you think of King Saul and David. Right? Saul was jealous because of David. Why? David was getting all of the acclaim. The spotlight was being shifted from Saul to David. Remember? The crowds would, 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 would shout, Saul has killed his thousands, David his tens of thousands. And it drove Saul what? Mad. With jealousy. And envy. So now back to the passage, okay? So now we're going to look at this from this intense negative perspective. Ready? John said, Master, we saw a man. Need to get this because this is us. We saw a man driving out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he is not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said. For whoever is not against you is for you. Okay, so now we have to get into the story and find out why are they trying to stop him? He's not one of us. It's, it's deeper than that. If you leave it there and you don't bring in the whole story, then we've missed the depth of what God wants us to take away. Remember, three things in every sermon. What does the text say? What does the text mean? What does the text require? What does it require of you when you leave here today? The text is alive. It's living and active. You're alive. So it's, it, it's engaging with you, and it's causing you to respond to it. So we have to get the story. He's not one of us. It's deeper. If that's part of it. We'll talk about that in a moment. That's deeper than that. What is it? 
You've got to go back to the beginning of chapter 9, verse 1. When Jesus had called the 12, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons. You remember that? How many demons could they drive out? All. Got it? There were no demons that had power over them. But we know that something went wrong. How do we know that? We go back to the passage that we preached on last week. Go with me to 9, 38 to 40. They come down from the Mount of Transfiguration. Three are on the mountain. Nine are down in the valley. They've been approached. They've been asked to cast out a demon. They can't do it. Something's wrong. So the, the man cries out and says, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son. A spirit seizes him and it is destroying him. I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. What are they jealous over? This guy, whoever he is, and we don't know who he is. We never get his name. He's not one of us, they said. But he's doing what Jesus had given them the power to do, but because of their unbelief, they couldn't do it. So they're jealous. They're envious. Shakespeare's Othello's green-eyed monster has seized them. And they can't see straight. You were told to go cast out all demons. They couldn't do it. This guy's doing it. And they say, Lord, we need to stop him. Jesus says, no. He who is not against you is for you. In other words, he's doing exactly what I've given him authority to do. He's expanding the cause of the king. And you want to stop him? Why? You're jealous because of his success? You're jealous because he's doing what, what you, you should be able to do, but you cannot? This is madness. So that's in the hearts and in the minds of the disciples. But you're going to see in a moment how bad it gets. Remember, what starts as an infection winds up a hideous disease if it's left unchecked. But before we get there, let's look at God-centered jealousy so that we can be clear. There is a, a difference between the two. It's very nuanced with God, but we'll just hit a few things. We'll go to the Ten Commandments. Look at the first two. Ready, Exodus 20, 3 to 5. No other gods. The first commandment, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. Second one, no graven image. And then what does he say? For I, the Lord God, am what? A jealous God. Jealous for what? Well, you'll see that in a moment. Idolatry provokes God's jealousy, but it's not a man-centered jealousy. There's something very good and very positive and very powerful. Let's keep building on it. Let me show you one more passage in Exodus 34, 14. Now you're not only going to see this as an attribute, you're going to see this as a name, an identification, a mark of the Almighty. Watch. Do not worship any other God for the Lord whose name is jealous. Jehovah Jireh is also jealous is a jealous God. What, why, why? What is that? He wants an exclusive relationship with you. Notice the Ten Commandments. The first four are vertical. You shall have no other gods before me. And when you do, I am jealous. Why? Because I know what's best for you. I, I have claimed you. You're mine. I, I purchased you. You're my possession. You should have no, no other God before you. I'm a jealous God. I will tolerate no rival, nor should I. 
So God is, that's a godly jealousy. But notice now the difference. Let's just put it in a context. God, watch this, and then take it with you. Godly jealousy is the benefit of the one God is jealous for. So God is jealous for you when you start to drift and you start to wander. He's jealous for you. It's not for his benefit. It is for yours. Yes? Okay, you got that? Now watch the man-centered. Watch the ungodly jealousy. The godless jealousy is the benefit of the one who is jealous. I'm upset at what you're doing. All the success that you're having, I should be having. All the accomplishment that, that, that you're creating, that, that's mine. All of the expansion in your ministry, that's, that should be me. So that jealousy is for my benefit. Nothing good for you, but God's jealousy is all about you. So we see now, watch. If we don't check our hearts in our emotional states and we let it go, we can find ourselves in a place we don't want to be in and have no idea how we got there. Watch this next, okay? Man-centered jealousy now moves us to mistaken judgment. Luke 9, back to the passage, 51 to 54. You have to keep the context. Notice what they've just come out of. We need to stop him. He's not one of us. We need to stop him. Stop him, why? You can imagine why. He's doing exactly what I told you to do that you have the power to do, but you won't do because you don't believe. And you want me to stop him. What's the matter with you guys? He's serving my kingdom. As the time approached, notice (laughs) there's a lot of ways to write out the passion of Jesus. But notice how beautifully the good doctor does it. As the time approached to be taken up to heaven, that's the passion of Christ is coming. He's already predicted it twice, but notice how beautifully Luke writes it. Jesus resolutely, he has set his face to Jerusalem. He knows what's coming and the time now is is near. He sent messengers ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready. But the people did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. We can't unpack the whole thing. We've talked many times about the Samaritans and the Jews. Just know at at the deepest level, they hated each other. They hated each other. When the Assyrians conquered them and and, and they brought some of their people in to to live in the land, the Samaritans were the ones that commingled with them. They intermarried. So the, the pure Jew hated the Samaritans, okay? You just need to get... That's why when you read the story of the Good Samaritan, you ask the question, where's the punchline? That's the whole point that Jesus is making. He's teaching the Jews, and he's saying, this is the hero of the story. The priest and the Levite walk by the guy who's been beaten, but the Samaritan stops and ministers. He's making a deep point. Obviously, the disciples had missed it. When they would travel, listen, between Galilee and Judea, listen to what they would do. This was not Jesus, but what the Jew would do. Galilee to Judea, either way, they would cross the Jordan twice to keep from walking through Samaria. Not Jesus. Remember, he had a divine appointment there in John chapter 4. Remember that at the well? Samaritan woman? 
Sure you do. Okay, so Jesus doesn't go cross the Jordan. He goes right into Samaria. Okay, stay with me. And that's really all we need to talk about this hate. They worshipped on Mount Gerizim. The Jews worshipped. Jesus fixed all that. A time is coming. It doesn't matter where we worship. We worship God in spirit and truth. Understand what this gospel is. It's not where you are. It's whose you are. Understanding that it's me. I've come. And that's the first bride. Samaritan woman. Okay? They don't want, they're heading to Jerusalem when the disciples, ready? James and John, the sons of thunder. Now they add a little lightning. They ask, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? Whoo. Do you want us to? A couple positive things. They know Jesus has the power to do that. They, they, they know Jesus can equip them to call fire down from heaven. And they're angry for the honor of the Lord who has not been received. But something's really wrong here. Who made you judge? Do you want us to call fire down from heaven? Give us, give us permission. I gave you permission to cast out demons. You can't even do that. Now you want to call fire. What is the fire thing? They just came from the mountain. Peter, James, and John, he's, they're talking to the rest of them. He said, we just saw Elijah. Moses and Elijah. Remember what Elijah did in the Old Testament? Remember the fire? Not, no, no. You, first thing you think of immediately is what? The, the sacrifice. No, 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 no. There's another time of fire. There's, there's two times of fire that is just crazy fire. Watch this. Ready? And this is what they're thinking of. They're not thinking about a sacrifice. There's nothing positive about this. They want to destroy the Samaritans. Watch this. 2 Kings 1.10. The wicked king. Ahisha is angry and wants, he's hurt. He wants Elijah brought to him. So here's what he does. He sends the captain of the guard and 50 men. And they come to Elijah and say, man of God, come down with us. Elijah answered the captain. If I'm a man of God, may fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. And fire fell from heaven and consumed them. 50 guys and the captain all burned king hears, sends another 50 and another captain. So imagine now, Elijah's on, on, the, on the mount. They, they come to Elijah. Oh, 51 corpses. Every- man of God, king wants you to come. Come down right now. If I am a man, he says it again. If I am a man of God, may fire come down from heaven and consume all of you. 102. Third group comes. Third you can smell it as you're getting near. And the bodies are everywhere. This captain, he's a little brighter. Excuse me. We don't want this to happen to us. Would you just please? Is there any way that you would come and see the king, please? And have mercy on our lives? Would And he goes. They know the story. They say to Jesus, let us call fire down him. We're going to wipe him out. Luke 9, 5. Ready? Ready? Jesus said, you have to watch what they did. If people do not welcome you, leave their, remember I told you we'd get back to this. Leave their town and shake off the dust from your feet to testify against them. They go in, they're not received. They leave. What did Jesus say? Wipe your feet. Don't wipe them out. My goodness. 
Just wipe your feet. You've taken this too far. I have a plan for them. You're going to go back there one day and you're going to preach the gospel. You've why did their jealousy turns into this wicked judgment where they want fire to come down from heaven and consume them. Jesus says, you, you, you have the wrong spirit in you. You're messed up. Messiah Jesus. Ready? At, as the time approached, Luke 9, 51, 55, and 56, to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Okay? He, he, he knows where he's heading. He's going to the cross. For whom? For Samaritans too. For Samaritans, he's going to the cross. Every tongue, tribe, and nation. They still don't get it. So now 55, but Jesus turned and he rebukes them. Stop this. If you don't figure this out, you're never going to be able to run the church. I'm trying to lay the foundation on you and you still don't get it. When they disagree with you, you don't call fire down from heaven. Wipe your feet, walk away, but don't wipe them out. And look back at church history and all that we have done in the name of our God. Shame on us. And they went to another village. Two things. Here it is, and we close. Acts 1.8. This is what's so beautiful about understanding the compassion and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you, Acts 1.8, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem. And in Judea. And where? And Samaria. You're going to witness here. We're not going to wipe them out. You're going to go back and witness. And to the ends of the earth. We're going to get some saved. So listen to this. Listen to this. The sons of thunder add a little lightning because they want to burn them up. But now watch what happens. James becomes the first martyr. Watch John now. Watch. 825. Now the church is growing. Pentecost has come. Holy Spirit has come upon you. You are my witnesses. Now look, after they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel where? In many Samaritan villages. Can you imagine John saying, boy, thank God Jesus didn't listen to us. We're getting people saved here. We're preaching the gospel so glad fire didn't come down from heaven. Man, did we have that messed up. But now we're getting a picture of what Jesus is really up to. How do we close this? It's really important for us to get a, a, an understanding of our hearts and the emotional states that we run through. Back to the passage. You need to see this. Master 949. This is our close. We saw a man driving out demons in your name and we tried to stop him because he is not What? Notice they, have no, they, they make no comment about Jesus. They're not one of them. They're not one of us. They don't hang with us. So, so look at where, you, you see where their heart is. He's not one of us. And if he's not one of us, we have no interest in him being involved in this. He has no right to be doing what he's, he's not one of us. And we're like that. Well, they're, not, they're not one of us. They don't worship like we do. They don't dress like we dress. They don't talk like we talk. They don't sing like we sing. They're not one of us. But Jesus does what? Rebukes them. Don't stop him. Whoever isn't against you is for you. So, 
the three friends from Job, this will give us a deeper understanding of our own hearts. Three friends from Job, Job now finally confronts them with one of the greatest comebacks in Scripture. Job replied, doubtless you are the only people who matter and wisdom will die with you. Those three buffoons. They're buffoons. They were loving, wonderful friends for seven days. On the eighth day, they opened their mouths. And everything went south. Doubtless wisdom will die with you guys. Let me make something perfectly clear. When we get to the other side, we will realize that all of us had some of it wrong. Did did you hear me? Let me say it one more time. When we get to the other side, we will realize that all of us had some of it wrong. Is that clear? Good. No one, no one speaks from Sinai. Only one did that. So we need to understand that. We need to understand that biblical truth. Doctrine matters. Doctrine divides. Should it's both? Jesus preached doctrine. We understand the deep biblical truths, but we end up fussing over stuff that doesn't matter, things that have nothing to do with salvation. And that's the point in this passage. Stay, stay with me. Psalm one thirty three one. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together. How unity. Unity, not uniformity. We're not all. We're not supposed to be the same. But unity. There are things that you, there are things that divide us, and, and that's and that's a good thing. It's supposed to. If you don't believe that Jesus is fully God and fully man and born of a virgin, I mean, we can go down the list, and then there's we have an we have a problem. We've got to walk through that. We've got to talk through that. No, we don't believe that. We, there are certain things that matter. You have to believe the truth of the gospel. But we've taken it so much further than that. Unity is critical. We must be unified in, in, in our beliefs, but, we, we, but uniformity, it should never be like that. Final, final word. Here it is. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Here it is. By this, by what? Love. Not calling down fire on your brothers and your sisters because they don't worship the way that you do. They don't look the way that you look. They don't do the things you do. But by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have what? Love. The greatest apologetic is what? We talk about apologetics a lot. What's the greatest apologetic? Love. The greatest apologetic Jesus ever had was what? The life he lived. We don't even have to talk about the resurrection. We don't have to get that far. Just the life that Jesus lived. He says, Who, which of you can convict me of sin? Pilate says, I wash my hands. I find nothing wrong in this man. Sinless, perfect, Jesus. The apologetic of Christ's life. The love of the Lord. And he says what? This new commandment I give to you. You should love one another as I have loved you. And, and, and by this here, that, that's why people look and they say, I, 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 don't, I don't understand the church. Why? They're always fussing and fighting over stuff that doesn't seem to matter. Our carpet's red. Well, I like green. Oh, I, you like green. That's good. Bring a little green patch and sit on it with you and put some under your feet. And fit. But don't fuss about that. Well, I'm not really sure about the cookies you put out in the Danish. I'd rather have, okay, that's okay. Bring some of what you like. No, do that. You bring something that you like. But we fuss about little things. We fuss about music and style and all of these things. And we say, this, what, what are we doing? We're just, we're just, we're just telling them that we, we, we have no idea what we're doing. The greatest commandment to love, to love one another. By this they'll know that you're mine. 
The gospel has been presented and now you are invited. Jesus said, with outstretched arms and nail scarred hands, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. You know what the first rest is? From your self-salvation project. You don't have to save yourself anymore. That's the rest. You can take a deep breath. (sighs) It is finished. And then get busy living the life God called you to live. With what? With freedom and joy and faithfulness. With the love of the Lord Jesus Christ flowing through you to all people. To what? To all people. Because every single person that you have ever run into is an image bearer of the Most High God, regardless of what they believe. So that means every person matters, every person has dignity, and every person should feel the love of Christ flowing through you to them. Let us pray. Father, if there's anyone here this morning who has never surrendered control to Christ, make this a moment of salvation. And if you hear my voice right now and you have never prayed to receive Jesus, may every heart here that has been beating for Christ now speak these words with me. You repeat them in your heart. Oh God, I've heard the gospel truth. In love you came and laid your life down that we might have eternal life if we would but trust in you alone. So right now, Jesus, be merciful to me, the sinner. I repent of my sins and I trust in you as Lord and Savior. And Father, then give them the confident assurance of this truth. He who began a good work will one day bring it to completion. Until that day, help us to live a life of love, the love of the Lord Jesus Christ to all people, that they might know we're his. This is asked in Jesus' name. Amen.